Welcome into Brewcast from Maze and Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am Luke Giardi, joined as always by Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani. Back with you on a Monday night. Uh, been a while, think I think, since we've done a Monday night one with all the schedules have been wonky. But here with you Monday night, March 29th, headed into Tuesday the 30th. And we're staring at an Elite Eight game for Michigan basketball right in the face. And it's good to be still talking Michigan hoops and not doing a bit of a eulogy on the season. So we've got a lot to get to here with that. We do have some football news that we would like to touch on on the end, but uh, as I've noticed guys uh, right now, at least for me, I don't know if you guys are feeling this way, but as it stands right now, man, I have not really concerned myself with, with the football program, even with a lot of the news that's coming out there right now, I'm 100% in on this, on this hoop squad. I feel like a lot of the fan base is that way. There's obviously some outliers, but, but what do you, what do you guys, uh, you guys all in on this hoops, hoops train right now or what? I don't even know what football is, so <laughs> register to me right now. Um, yeah, all in, to, to put it lightly. I mean, like I said, this is uh, it's a little bit of a milestone, or and here comes the dog again. It's clickety-clack, you know how that goes. He's making an appearance. You know, He's a fan of the, of the podcast. Well, she, yeah. She's pumped too, you know? But It's like, uh, it's like the, the people outside of college game day. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I need to get her one of those like Washington state flags and have her like in the back. <laughs> um, I'm doing well. Um, had a little bit of an oopsie dirt. I had like, not to go off on a tangent right off to start right off the bat today, but I kind of had one of those like press conference moments or one of those like nightmare moments that you have um, in this industry today. So I'm kind of like frazzled right off. I'm not frazzled. It was actually hilarious. Um, so we're doing these like virtual press conferences and the way that the NCA has it set up is you raise your hand. They see that you're, you know, you raise your virtual hand. They see your hand is raised and they call on you. And usually like we have a very limited amount of time when we talk to players and coaches, I think it was like 15 minutes a piece. Talk to Juwan Howard and Hunter Dickinson today. Yeah, that sounds right. And so usually more often than not, like every once in a while, Daniel dash will pop in with a question everyone knows Daniel. He works for us. Um, I usually sit back because that time to me, like there are people whose jobs depend on getting a question and representing their outlet, things like that. So more often than, and I ask questions from time to time, but more often than not, especially for kind of these bigger, you know, showcases, I just kind of sit back and listen. But today uh, (laughs) what I did was I set, uh, I had put, because my allergies are going crazy, trying to clear myself up. I had put my uh, some hot water in the microwave so I could make some tea. And it went off during the press. Like, I, we're muted and everything, so that, that part's fine. goes off during the press conference. So I grab my laptop. This is mistake number one. I grab it by the mouse pad, you know, that little touch pad, and set it down on the coffee table to go grab this, uh, grab this cup of water. And I'm in the kitchen, and I'm dropping this, you know, putting the tea together and getting ready to sit back down. And I hear them go, next question, Anthony Broom from Maize and Brew. And I'm like, I turn the whitest, I mean, I'm our, it's, we're coming out of winter in the Midwest. I'm as pasty white as one can possibly be. But all of the color leaves my face. And I sprint, and these are, these are wood floors too. I almost slipped and broke my neck. That's a totally different story. I sprint over there <laughs> to, to unmute myself and say, uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to ask a question. And... Oh. <laughs> The moderator of the press conference goes, at least this is how it played out in my head. 
<laughs> well, your hand was raised, buddy. That's how wow. I heard it. I don't know if that's what he actually said, but that's how I heard it because I was already shame had washed over my butt. Hunter Dickinson had a little bit of a smile out of it, but uh, so maybe that broke up the monotony. But today it's just been, it's been, a, that's a long way of me saying it's been a Monday and I was noticed in a way that is not always the most fun way to be noticed. So figure I put that out there. Now I'm, I'm healed and pat, we're past that now. So it won't eat at me anymore. Well, I mean, this is going to be an eventful week. It's going to be for, for the three of us, it's going to be personally, it's, this is going to be a very eventful week for me. I mean, we got Michigan in the elite eight. We got, I'm, I'm home alone this week. We got personal stuff. We got, you know, I got other podcasts I'm doing. I'll, I'll shamelessly promote those whorishly near the end of the show as I have a tendency <laughs> to do. Um, but it's fun. I would so much rather be in the position we're in now than, as Luke said, eulogizing another season. I mean, there's a whole lot of teams and a whole lot of programs that have done a lot of podcasts already about what's next year going to look like. We, we, we aren't talking about next year right now. I think we even had a question in the discord like last week, somebody being like, what's the transfer portal going to look like? And Anthony and I jumped on it right away, put the kibosh on it and said, let's focus on this season because this season's pretty darn fun. And that's, that's where we're at right now. I mean, we'll talk about the game and that one day layoff is very stressful because I'm, I'm right in between that still celebrating what was an awesome game yesterday and freaking out about tomorrow. But uh, as far as the journey goes, you can't deny that it's been a lot of fun. And this team has provided us with uh, immense content and fun content here in 2021. Yeah, man, that game yesterday was uh, much less stressful than I originally anticipated. Yeah. After the LSU game, man, I thought my heart was going to give out. But that game yesterday, I mean, that was – I've seen, you know, Jay Billis and whatnot talk about it as a – put it as an offensive clinic. I know we had an article on the site about that here today. Uh, not only that, but the defense was yeah. absolutely tremendous, man. Um, yeah, Florida State looked lost out there, and – I still think I don't necessarily agree with Kyle Walney here who, who told us <laughs> Leonard Hamilton can't coach. Uh, but I do think, I mean, that was a mismatch on the sidelines yesterday. What, what Juwan company did uh, that game plan that they had the execution. I mean, Florida state was just completely lost out there. That was the most impressive part to me. Uh, and Michigan didn't do it from the three point line either. You know, like you, you think back to the last final four run, the sweet 16 matchup with Texas A&M. A lot of people were picking Texas A&M because they're length and stuff like that. But they, I mean, they didn't miss that game, Michigan. You know, that was pretty much a story of that one. But this one was just, I mean, getting to the hoop. They only hit a few threes. They didn't get a lot of good looks from the perimeter. And quite honestly, that's got, that gave me more reason for optimism and more confidence that if Michigan went out there and, you know, hit 10 threes to win that game, Michigan could beat you in so many ways. And I thought that was awesome to see. Yeah. I mean, I expect I put, this is what I, this is the best way for me to sum this up. And this is how I put it on Twitter. Like I expected a rock fight and instead we got a stoning. Like, and it was just a complete depancing of Florida state, Florida state. And this is what Michigan's done all year long. They kind of get off to a slow start. They're leading at halftime, but you're like, ah, it kind of feels like they should be leading by more than this. And then second half starts, it gets a little bit dicey there for a sec, but then Michigan goes on a run, smell blood in the water. And by, you know, really the 10 minute mark of the second half, Florida state didn't even look like it wanted to be there. 
So, and that was honestly give credit where credit's due for Michigan. Florida State played one of the worst first halves of basketball I've ever seen, uh, which <laughs> obviously helps. Um, uh, you know, Leonard Hamilton is is a good coach, but his teams get to this point, and this is kind of what the mo has been on them over the years. So, not going to crap on the guy. Like I said, I'm still riding the high of finding out he's only 72 or he's 72 years old and looks 52. Um, looks healthier than me and or maybe the three of us combined. I don't know, but uh, it's a lot of fun. And and what it was just a reaffirmation because I don't. We're at the point of the year we're not learning anything new about this team that we didn't know already. Like this team can win every type of game it plays. They've played a game where they only scored 62 points to win when they beat Penn State. They've had to score 92 points to win a game at Ohio State. They've played, you know, competitive second halves of games without Eli Brooks in a game at Michigan State in the second half of the Big Ten tournament against Ohio State without Isaiah Livers. It's They've seen it all. We've seen it all. So the only thing that at this point moving forward, and this isn't to look ahead, but the only type of thing that really gives me any pause or a test that I think this team has yet to pass is if they can beat someone who's better than them because – in this field, I don't know if anyone is better than them outside of Gonzaga. So, and that might be kind of the collision course that's at play here, obviously. So that's where we're at right now. And it was a, a group effort. It was a top to bottom, everyone on the roster, everyone who played a significant amount of time had at least a sequence where they, where they flashed and, and made some kind of impact on the game. The, the game plan installation was flawless. The, the scouting was, was good. The, was all top to bottom just you know i think uh, this is how jay billis put it was a clinic so um i would i would agree with that one of their you can you can make the argument that it's their most impressive and complete effort of the year given obviously who's not on the floor for them right now the stakes being that it is the sweet 16 and just the way that it all went down against a, a matchup that honestly we talked about when this bracket came out what's the one team we didn't want to see if they made the sweet 16 obviously Florida state. And not only did they pass that test, they, they aced it. They earned extra credit. They earned no homework for a week. Like, well, not, not necessarily. They play again on Tuesday, but all of the rewards, um, there is no, uh, there's no hyperbole in any of the praise that they get from how they performed in that game. Yeah. It was a curb stomping Uh, really from, from the get go. And yeah, I know they, Maybe got off to a little bit of a slow start, but not really. I mean, pretty early on, they established dominance in, in that game. And, you know, Florida State cut it to five at one point, but then Mike Smith had the end one and the game was over. I, I so When we were on the locker room last night, Anthony, somebody compared that game to the 2013 Florida game where Michigan went to the Final Four. And I think that's that's an apropos comparison because I think in both of those games, the opposing head coach had a game plan that, was suspect at best, but other understandable in 2013, all Billy Donovan wanted to do was limit Trey Burke penetration. That's all he wanted. The problem is you had a sharpshooter on the wings and Nick Stauskas who went six for six from three point range. And that game turned into a blowout pretty darn quickly yesterday. I'm not, I'm not completely sure what the game plan was by Hamilton. I think it was a week. I think he was under the belief that their length and their size could get to Michigan, that they could take these guys one-on-one. And if you are making a game plan that includes taking Franz Wagner one-on-one, 
it's not going to end well for you, but <laughs> like, like ever, like you play that game 10 times out of 10, it's never ending well. And not to beat a dead horse, but, and I told Ant Wright this last night, it, they should just discontinue the all big 10 defensive team. If we're not going to vote the best players in like, what are we doing? And like Franz Wagner's one of the five best defenders in the country and wasn't first team all big Ten. I'll say Go this ahead. though. Maybe the fact that he didn't have that accolade next to his name is making yep. it less of an impact in the scout, which leads me to believe, you know, are you watching the film at all? Cause yeah, no, I, I mean, it was, that, that is a good point. I, in that, and maybe it added a little bit more of that, that, uh, that Wagner swagger that uh, we've, oh, we've, yeah. we've, we've come to love. Are there any more last... in the pipeline? What's that? Is there any more in the pipeline? Yeah. Maybe well, give it more to yeah. Michigan. Give we got to retrofit the Glasgow factory to make yeah. that happen, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. When we're uh, when we're in our fifties, talking about Franz Wagner's kids, we'll be uh, we'll be happy to talk about him back backing guys down in the post and blocking shots. But no, it was, I mean, it was an immaculate performance. And, and the one thing that I talked about as being the X factor coming into this tournament, and I stand by it was, how's Juwan going to do? You know, is there going to be a, a deer in the headlights thing? I didn't think there would be, and there hasn't been. He, he's co- he's out coached the opposing coach in all three of these games. I um, mean, against LSU, it was a dog fight, and he. Sorry, he trusted that um, Michigan's uh, depth would be able to wear down LSU. It did yesterday. He had faith in his athletes. They stayed the course the whole way through. I thought the lineups were great, pretty much front to back the whole way. And uh, you can't take away any credit from the players. They responded. It was a such a it was such a balanced performance. I mean, you had I think five guys with eight or more points, and you didn't have a single guy with more than fourteen. And it's, it, it, it's where this team becomes so dangerous. It really is a pick your poison because if two weeks ago, you would have told any of us that Michigan was going to be running plays, running an offense through Brandon Johns for a large majority of the first half of an NCAA tournament game. I just said you were insane and they were doing that. And he was their leading scorer yesterday. And it shows, it goes to show how, uh, how dangerous they are and how dangerous they've been this season. We'll talk about UCLA here in a second. New new game. Everything resets. You start back at zero, but we can't ignore the fact that I think we all believe that that was going to be a tense, close game. And with about eight, nine minutes left in the second half of an NCAA tournament game, this thing was done. I mean, Florida State really had – you looked at their body language. There was, there was a sense of quit on that sideline, and I can't blame them. Yeah, we, we've been waiting a long time to get that Brandon Johns, man. Like, this is, this is the guy – that when he signed, we, we thought he could be, and it never looked like he was going to get there. You know, uh, his transformation just in this tournament alone has been remarkable. I mean, I don't really know any other way to put it. I know Franz had, you know, talked about it in the postgame presser yesterday a little bit about, you know, they telling him that he could be the best player on the floor every time he's out there. And he does. He's got the athleticism. He's got the skills. I mean, he he broke the press yesterday, was dribbling out near half court. He, he's got some handles on him. Uh, Anthony, though, I, I will say I, I really liked your tweet yesterday. Kind of, you know, the Jameis Winston experience a little bit every once in a while because it's a bit of a roller coaster. But if he's playing like that, there's no reason that I mean, they, they, they'll match up with anyone in the country at the end of the day. You know, if they it's going to come down to hitting shots. If they beat UCLA tomorrow and they match up with the Zags, it's going to be coming down to hitting shots, and that's going to be the the difference. As for the UCLA game, uh, just looking ahead to this one, 
I mean, they're playing some very good basketball right now, you know, and you can't overlook anyone in the Elite Eight, obviously, but I'm much happier with playing UCLA than Alabama. I mean, UCLA didn't really have uh, any business being in that game yesterday. I mean, they Alabama went, what, 11 of 25 from the free throw line, and that game went to overtime? Are you kidding me? Like, I, there's nothing that they do like really, really well. I know they rank 11th in Ken Palm offense, but it's not like UCLA who is the number two offensive team in the country or, you know, playing one of the top defenses in the country. I think they rank way up 55th, maybe in, in Ken Palm adjusted. Yep. Def- I mean, there's nothing really that UCLA does incredibly well that Michigan hasn't seen. They they've seen great defense and they've seen great offenses this year and they've beat both, you know, by substantial margins. You know, you think back to the Iowa game, what what they've done to Wisconsin this year. In hindsight, man, I know the Big Ten's had some struggles, but Michigan kind of, outside of the last week, they ran through that conference without much trouble. They beat the brakes off a lot of teams in the Big Ten here this year. So I think think the, the struggles of the Big Ten as it pertained to Michigan in this tournament ended up being a little overblown. Yeah, I mean, Michigan did to some of the elite teams, the Wisconsin's, the Iowa's, the Purdue's of the world, what they did to Florida state on Sunday. Like that's how it was most of the year before the season was shut down for three weeks. And before you lost arguably the best player on your roster. So yeah, like I said before, they've seen it all. Um, And I think what it just comes down to too, is that they have better players than the last two teams that they've beaten. Um, Maybe, I don't know if they have more NBA players than a team like, LSU will have or Florida State will have, but I know they've got at least one in Franz. And something that I think has been pretty critical. I mean, everyone, Chris, you and I kind of talked about this yesterday. You know, we all know that he's got like that 20, 25 point offensive game in him somewhere. Maybe the fact that it hasn't come yet is good news for Michigan um, moving forward in this tournament. But, you know, to to be a guy who you know you know score 13 points a lot of them late he was kind of the closer the way i put it yesterday on the locker room was um you know kind of like the adrian peterson the guy who gets hot as a game goes on and then pops a couple big ones late and breaks a defense uh, if he can be if that's the guy he's going to be totally on board with that but he still grabs 10 boards dishes out five assists he's the first michigan player to do that in an NCAA tournament game since Mitch McGarry did it in the final four against Syracuse, only six guys in the history of program have done that since assists were uh, kept as a stat. I think in the the early eighties, they started doing that. So, I mean, don't, what I keep telling people is just don't get lulled to sleep by the fact that he's only scoring 12, 13 points Mm. a game. You can get by with that. If he's dishing out five or six assists and Brandon Johns is scoring 12 or 14 points and Hunter Dickinson is doing his thing. And, you know, et cetera. Shawnee Brown doing his thing as well. So uh, the matchup with UCLA uh, is the preferred matchup. I don't think that's, that's not a hot take at all. And it's not quite a traditional 11 seed. And this is where we're seeing where the seeding was weird in the tournament. But at the same time, this is a UCLA team that lost. It's I believe four it's last four games heading into the tournament. They were in the first four. They had, they went to overtime against Michigan state, Michigan state can't box out. And here's UCLA. Was UCLA the, UCLA the beneficiary of maybe a path clearing up for them to get here? Yeah, but you know what? You gotta you gotta win those games. You gotta hit shots, and they were able to do that. Um, you know, UCLA beat Alabama because it did what it had to do to beat Alabama. It wasn't all 
at the free throw line. Um, you know, they could have sealed that game a lot sooner if they just fouled uh, at the end of regulation. But, mm-hmm. you know, UCLA is a team where they don't – they can stroke it from three, and they, they, they've they been super clutch in that. But they're not a team that's, like, going to speed you up at all. Like, they play one of the slower tempos of any of these teams, might, maybe the slowest of any of these teams left in the tournament. So I just feel like it kind of comes down to, you know, er, looking – like, Michigan has the size advantage again, which you're going to have more often than not when you have a seven – foot two 260 pound guy playing center for you but they have a size advantage there we know that teams are either going to focus on michigan shooters and he'll feast or they'll focus on him and everyone outside will have a chance to feast so to me it kind of comes down to just closing out the three-point line if you're michigan and uh you know not getting them to turn over the basketball i think uh and shout out to jacob who did our game preview i believe that UCLA has only had 28 turnovers period in this entire tournament. Wow. They played one more game than everyone else too. So um, forcing, maybe speeding them up a little bit is the game plan because that's where, that's where I think Michigan did a good job against Florida state. And we knew they were long and athletic, but when you're that, you know, when you're a highly tuned athletic machine uh, to quote the water boy and you play fast, sometimes you start to play reckless too. So um getting those scoring wings out of the game and maybe just forcing some mistakes. I, this will probably be a close game because that's what happens this time of year, no matter what the matchup is. But I just, I don't see an area where unless Michigan has an, a totally off night where I see them in a lot of trouble. Like it, it's not looking at, we're not looking ahead to the weekend, but it's, it's obviously a much, much better matchup. Now would have loved to see Alabama because it probably would have been a great game and a lot more stressful and a lot more fun if Michigan won, but uh, no one's going to apologize for a victory if they're able to get it done over UCLA and UCLA's hot. So yeah. we've seen teams from the first four go to the final four before. So that's a lot of fours, but it's uh, that's the situation they find themselves in. Yeah, no, they've played their asses off. You know, UCLA has played some very efficient, smart, good basketball. I think that, that, I mean, that's a program that for 12 years has really been trying to find its footing. You know, they made those three straight final fours from 06 to 08 and have stumbled. They hired maybe the biggest hack in college basketball and Steve Alford to be their coach for five, six years. That didn't work out. I, I don't know why, but I have a personal beef with him. I think he stinks. I think Mick Cronin's good. I think he, I think he's going to do a very good job. He's done a very good job this year. I think that there is, whether whether fair or not, there's a reputation that the Pac-12 is a little bit soft, and I think that he has instilled a real toughness in that program, and I think it's one of the reasons why they've been able to survive. One of the things I am worried about, and it's not a Michigan thing, but it is it has happened, and this was po- talked about on our site just today, is that there have been double-digit seeds that have played high, you know, one or two seeds in the in the Elite Eight, and have been able to win because I think a little bit of potentially overlooking Kansas versus VCU 2011 being the, the prime example. Of course, there's always the possibility of an off night as Anthony just brought up, which is there, which will always be there. I Michigan is a better team than UCLA. They are They're 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 I think they're more well-coached. They have better players. They have better athletes. They should win this game. I think they should, should win this game fairly easily. They won't because taking years off of my life is what Michigan sports has been good at for the last 25 years. But I, unlike 
the football team, and I don't mean to make a jab at them, but it's easy. I think collectively, when we talk about that program, even when things are going well, we have all had that kind of flinching attitude of, okay, when are, when's the other shoe going to drop? We're coming up on 10 years of solid, sustained success in this basketball program. And I've said with this team from the beginning, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and I'm going to believe in them until I don't. And they've done nothing this year outside of one week where they were completely gassed and in one game in the Big Ten tournament when they lost one of their best players for a day. They have done basically everything right all season. And I, I pray to God the magic doesn't end tomorrow. I, man, it's a team that can win it all, to be quite honest with you. Like, I know that Gonzaga's a favorite, and rightfully so. But I think Michigan has the pieces to be able to hang with them and eventually beat them. And, and I think that's going to be – I'm curious with that 7 o'clock game tomorrow. So we have to, you know, just because we're not going to have another pod before Saturday's, you know, Final Four here, you know, we, we, we kind of have to, to look past UCLA. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But uh, you, you got to look at the other teams in the region here too. And uh, Gonzaga taking on USC, man. Drew Timmy has, I don't think, has, has played a guy quite like Evan Mobley. You know, I know he played Luca Garza, but as uh, Luca is a great offensive player, but he, he lacks a little bit on the defensive side. Evan Mobley's just outstanding. He's going to be a top three NBA pick in this year's draft. You know, it, it's that's going to say a lot because I know Jalen Suggs gets a, a lot of the press, and some of those other guys do as well. But but Timmy's kind of the the heart and soul of that team, I feel like. And if you're able to kind of shut him down and we'll see if Evan Mobley is able to contain him a little bit, I think that that's going to tell if there is a matchup with Gonzaga, you know, how Hunter Dickinson can kind of match up with, with Drew Timmy. And, and Michigan is so good defensively, their length, their athleticism. I really think that they could keep up with them. Um, and and I don't know. It, it, I'm not going to say Michigan is going to be the favorite in that game because they won't be. I don't think Michigan's going to for sure win that game if they do play it. But if Michigan hits shots, like I said, that's what it's going to come down to. I think they're going to get looks. And if they're able to knock down the shots, I think they can absolutely win. I don't think Gonzaga is unbeatable, you know. And I think if anyone's got the pieces to do it with the athleticism, the length, and the way they play defense and both sides of the ball, I think Michigan is one of those teams that really does have a chance to beat them. Yeah, you know, the argument and the discussion throughout the year has been, or at least throughout the postseason has been, well, um, you know, Michigan hasn't seen a team like Gonzaga yet, or Gonzaga, you know, they've run through everybody. But you know what Gonzaga hasn't seen? They haven't played a team. They haven't played Michigan yet either. And throughout the year, I think the eyeball test is kind of backing this up now. I think that Gonzaga and Michigan have been the two best um if you want to throw Baylor in there, fine. But you know, you know how I like to cite my little friend, my little friend at, over at Ken Palm. Um, Michigan's a top ten offense, top ten defense. Baylor's a top five offense, top seven defense. The efficiency difference is what it is, but I guess like Michigan, I think can hold their own in that game if, if it gets to that. And like I said, um, you know, Gonzaga, if they wind up winning this whole thing, will go down as being like, first of all, they'll, it means they will have finished the season undefeated, which hasn't happened in 35, 36 years. So, but, you know, they're making a push to be one of the best, most dominant teams of all time. But, you know, I do think that if it does get to that point and, you know, we're not looking ahead, anything like that. But I think that Michigan, even without Isaiah Livers, and he is out for the year, which has been confirmed, it seems like several times now, but he's out for the year. 
Michigan can hold their own and, and have a chance to win that game. It, it, that's if there's a team that can do it, like I'm, it's not exactly a hot take. I think your national champion is coming from this side of the bracket, whether it be Gonzaga or whomever, I won't say it so as to not curse it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I've seen, I've seen all I need to see. Like the, the championship DNA is there. Uh, we haven't seen Michigan overlook anyone this year, quite frankly. Um, the times they've lost is when they've haven't been without Eli. They were without Eli Brooks. They were gassed that last week of the year. Isaiah livers gets hurt and you got to figure it out on a couple hours notice. That's, that's it. That's where their mistakes have been made. And throughout the year, this was a Michigan was a dominant team in their own conference. I don't want to do the comparing their path to Gonzaga's because that's apples, oranges. We don't need to do that. But uh, this, this team is, this team is for real. And if, if the, the one seeds in Houston wind up taking care of their business, it's, we're going to have Ken Palm's top four teams in the final four, which is awesome. It will mean that this tournament gave us the first weekend drama that we love and we kind of salivate over. And the last weekend is going to give us the four best teams in college basketball duking it out and even you know if, if usc beats gonzaga they're a top six team on campcom right now like we're going to have as high quality a final four um assuming that the the, the good teams take care of their business that we've uh, we've had in quite some time so i don't know as a as a basketball fan in general um we've talked about how michigan so Michigan getting to the second weekend and getting to this point, we felt like gravy. Now it kind of feels like if they don't get to the final four, it it's going to be a bit of a disappointment because of right the opportunity that's ahead of them with this next opponent. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it's all gravy and it's all been entertaining. And like I said, at most we have one, you know, three basketball games left to watch. We might have one, we could have two, but that's all we have. So a week from tonight, we could be sitting here gearing up for a national title game that tips at, 1045 for some reason because the NCAA is weird when they set their tip times but uh I just I, at this point you just embrace all the challenges and, and the tip time is gonna kill me <laughs> you know what yeah. um I it doesn't it's bothersome because it's stupid but it it doesn't bother me that it's not an inconvenience because I would be watching anyways uh, I know right. it's not the case for everyone and people have lives and and big, big people jobs and, and things like that. But um, when you see I that, my, I have my first dose of the vaccine tomorrow afternoon. So I'm just hoping that doesn't kick oh, you're my ass for drowsy. that game. Oh. Drowsy. It just, it is kind of, it is, it is objectively hilarious that seven of the eight teams in the elite eight are from West of the Mississippi, but Michigan yeah. gets stuck in the, the very last game of them all. It, it's, There's only one fan base in tomorrow's game is going to be happy with either situation right Gonzaga is going to be pissed USC is going to be pissed Michigan's going to be pissed UCLA is the only fan base that's going to be happy about this yeah. um I mean you know I don't disagree with anything you're saying I uh it's that vintage Castellani pessimism coming in there I just just get there <laughs> just get there get to the final four and, and what what honestly what happens after that is 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 gravy in my opinion and you brought up Isaiah Livers and I, I don't want his absence uh, to become an afterthought 
for people because of how good Brandon Johnson's played. And Brandon Johnson's been awesome. Awesome, awesome. He has been so good breaking out. This is such a wonderful moment for him, but uh, we can't overlook how much that sucks. Um, Isaiah Livers is one of my all-time favorite Michigan Wolverines. And whatever, and I think, you know, I'm not a scout by any means. I think whoever drafts Isaiah Livers is going to get a hell of a player. And whatever he decides to do outside the arena of basketball, uh, he's going to be successful at. It would not shock me to see him as an analyst on BTN one day or a coach at some point in, in, in the future. I think he's, he's got that, that kind of brain. Like, no, I mean, again, though, I, I agree with everything you guys say. I mean, I think that, yeah, I think this team on their best day can play with anybody real. Like, let's be honest here. If you just take the Illinois game out of the equation, just, just uh, rip that, that page out of the book, use it as toilet paper. This team has done nothing all year to doubt, like to make anyone believe that they're anything other than, a top two or three team in the country. The Illinois game instilled doubt in us. Again, I think that team was gassed. Um, Illinois is welcome to make a, a paper mache banner that they can hang in, in Champaign uh, as another one of their fake made up titles. Uh, you know, I, I know they're, 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 I think they're going to try to go out there on opening day and play against the Tigers and, and claim that as well if they want to. God <laughs> knows they don't have anything else going on because they lost in the second round. Uh, that's going to be a running theme throughout the next year on this podcast. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm, I'm never going to let them hear the end of that. I apologize, but uh, no, I, I agree with you guys. And, and um, they're playing at a high level on their best days. I still believe they can compete with anybody. Just, I'm still just taking it one game at a time. I, I, I can't, I, cause I know if I look ahead to Gonzaga, then I'm going to get full. I'm going to get burned, just beat UCLA. And then we'll see where the road takes us, but win tomorrow. And, this very special season will become even more special. I'm, I'm breaking my own rule five seconds later, but it's, this is maybe the greatest regular season in the history of the program. Like you could make a very strong argument and now they're one game away from being immortal. So hopefully they get there. Three games away from being real immortal. Hey, you, you win this one, you're hanging another banner. So that's two this year. So, yep. Hey, from there, it's all gravy to me. I mean, it's with livers. I, I feel like a lot of us, not to put like unfair expectations on them, but I think a lot of us felt like it was kind of final four bust. Like this is a team on a mission yeah. and they've never, not once, not once. There's never been any doubt in that room. There's been doubts with us given you know recent events of the last few weeks. There's never been doubt in that room that they could still figure it out and just the ship moves forward next. I, I've never, there are a lot of programs that talk about it. I don't need to get into that type of stuff. Cause you know what road I'll get down. Um, but there, there are programs that are, that are about it too, that walk the walk. And there's been a, like a confidence just short of cockiness with this group, but they mean what they say. They do what they say and they embody their head coach more than maybe any team I've ever seen outside of the, the, I mean, I keep, it's the example I keep bringing up. It's, it's very new England Patriots esque in terms of you totally embody the personality of your head coach. You have a bunch of guys up and down the roster who they don't all need to be stars. They just need to come in and do their job. And if you make a mistake against them and they smell that blood in the water, they are going to rip you apart and swallow you whole. That's championship DNA. This team has that you win this game tomorrow you're a regional champion. And from there you're hanging a banner for that from there. Everything's gravy. So um, 
tomorrow's a championship game and and I don't expect them to come out and and dog it because it's UCLA and things like that. This team's going to handle their business. And I think that uh, it might be close, might be too close for comfort. It might get sketchy at times, but um, I think this team knows how close it is and, you know, to win this game and then have the three or four days off to prepare for what we assume will be the awoken giant. And maybe it's USC who knows, but I just think with a couple days of repair, they're going to be as well prepared. If Michigan wins this game tomorrow, they will be the the best prepared team on Final Four weekend. You have that's that's my guarantee. So whether that they also have, we'll see. But that's what they will be. All time hair matchup between the point guards tomorrow too. Oh, An yeah. all time hair matchup. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. I I can't wait to watch that. And Juwan, if they win this game tomorrow, man, think about it. Jawan will stay perfect. He'll, he'll never have been a part of an NCAA tournament that he didn't reach the final four in. <laughs> yeah. Um, the man is a winner. I mean, that's what he does, man. I, 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 you know, I, this is going down another road, but I mentioned this on locker room last night. I think it's time they, they start talking about an extension. Don't, don't get, cause if not, we're going to fall. I thought into... you were taking this one game at a time. Now you're talking extension. Well, because the, the job, because they <laughs> could talk statues too, we because they could lose. To, right, they could lose tomorrow. And I'd still say that because I yeah. think that the evidence, the evidence is there at this point and people are already pushing it. Anytime an NBA coach, I mean, the, gets fired. Every, the first one, everyone's going to jump. Oh, Juwan, Juwan is going to be Juwan. I would lock him up. Now that doesn't mean he won't go. But I would say, you know what? There's enough evidence here to prove that not only is this team really good, but there's a sustainability going forward over the next several years. That I think he is- loves it at Michigan, though, too. You know, I, I don't I know, think I know. he views I this do. as a stepping stone thing. You know, I think that's that's what Michigan's got. That's and quite honestly, we we talk about the damn Michigan man thing all the time. But if there's one reason to do that. To get the Michigan man to come back to the alma mater, it, it's it's this reason, you know, that if he turns out to be the hottest commodity out there in the sport, you got a you got a good chance of keeping him around. Yeah, yeah, and uh, listen, I mean, both, you know, we decry the Michigan man thing. It's still, uh, you know, both hires were qualified people who were qualified we won't go into the other thing but i will go into the other thing you know what you slashed the football coach's salary in half there's no damn reason that Jawan howard doesn't get a blank check there's no reason that you don't give kim barnes a rico a blank check and, and give uh your, give mel pearson more money give give everyone more money martelli uh, yeah you know it's uh give give eric backage whatever wants give carol hutchins you know the key to to whatever she wants um reward the people that are rewarding your university with success. And, and I, this is where like, I, I totally trust ward manual. As soon as they'll take care of their business, when the season's done, Joanna Howard, they'll come up with something that, that works for, for both sides. I, I don't see they're going to get him. I do think him and, and Kim Barnes or Rico are going to get extensions once the dust settles on this, on this basketball season. So I, I don't think it's just something that needs to be talked about. I think it's something that's already actively, I think the wheels are probably in motion for that. And you know what, if you want to do the basketball school debate, fine. Um, both. I, all I know is that both programs were in the sweet 16. The women fought their ass off and almost yeah. beat Baylor. Shout out to them. 
Yeah. Michigan. What a year for that, man. Ass off. And it will we'll play for final four tomorrow night. You know, I, we don't need to put labels on it, but um, the university of Michigan athletic department comes with the expectation that if you're in that highest chair, you are going to compete and win big 10 titles and set yourself up for a chance at more. So the people that do that deserve to be rewarded. And the people that don't deserve to be paid less or not be here at all. It's as simple as that. So that's, it's not even a debate to be had. Like that's simply how it is. Yep. Speaking of football, Giles <laughs> Jackson in, in the transfer portal uh, as of today. Yeah. We, I mean, let's touch on it. It's basketball season. You know, I said it at the beginning, football is the furthest thing from my mind, but it is some big news uh, with Giles Jackson leaving the program here. Could have some ripple effect. I, Giles Jackson, I thought, and obviously I'm not a recruiting insider for this site at all, uh, but I thought one of the, the big reasons for Xavier Worthy's commitment to Michigan was because of the friendship with Giles Jackson. So I'm like, is there a domino effect in play here or is a, the wide receiver room pretty set? You know, I, I'm not necessarily worried about, not having Giles Jackson, he was an electric player. He's a lot of fun to watch, especially on kick returns and things like that. But guys like A.J. Henning, Xavier Worthy coming in, they got good receivers. And plus, they, they throw three, four tight ends out there anyway. So who the hell cares about receivers on this you know, squad? So I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, – I don't want to say it's a non-issue because there's there's talent there. And I think in given the right situation and uh, <clears throat> a creative offensive mind – might be able to find a role for that guy somewhere. Um, Michigan wasn't really able to do that, whether it was, um, and I will say this, like the buzz on it is that Michigan wasn't expecting this. They were, um, I won't say not happy, but um, bummed that this is what wound up happening and, and not really sure what the reason for that is. Xavier Worthy signed, but he's not on campus yet. Should be here in the fall or, uh, you know, in summer camp as they get all that going. So I don't know if there's a ripple effect there. I'm sure there's going to be more fallout on that. I know that if there's a position group you could afford to lose people from, it probably is the wide receiver room uh, because kick returners. I mean, you have that competition over an extended amount of time. You're going to find someone you just are, uh, especially given the type of athlete that Michigan recruits on both sides of the ball. So, uh, but you still have like Ronnie Bell, Cornelius Johnson, uh, Mike Sainer still, there's a billion guys in that room, Roman Wilson. There's a billion guys in that room right now. So, you know, I'm still kind of in the phase of, um, if you're not going to be here, then just, you know, in the age of the, if you're not all in, then the transfer portal is there and sign R do your thing. So again, I don't know if there's a ton to really take away from that. We know that things are going to look differently this fall anyways, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm kind of, it's really, it is honestly could probably provide better analysis for this if it wasn't, there just wasn't so much going on elsewhere right now. Like right. we've been so strictly basketball and riding that high that again, we joke football, you know, basketball school, all that. It just doesn't even, it just I'm doesn't. Just, even I'm, I'm apathetic until about May right now, I think. Well, wow. given that there's no spring game or open practice, it's hard to get pumped about anything until what they play someone that's good in the fall. Cause they're going to open with Western Michigan and probably pummel, pummel them 50 to 14. But is that going to move the needle for people? Like, I don't know. I, I don't it know. Will, what it, it will. For, it will for me because I'm a weak man. <laughs> well, we're all, we're all masochists is what we are. I, uh, you know, what's weird with this program. It, Cause you're right. Usually at this time of the year, 
I'm apathetic too. It's basketball season. You know, it's close to the summer. I'm not even thinking about football. Last year's football season, it still sticks with me, still angers me. It's the only time in the last year in which it got so bad that I was, I found myself at points like all, I didn't almost rooting for the pandemic. Like that's how bad things were. Just be like, God, I don't, I don't want to do this another week. Like, and yes, they got the last three games canceled. And at least for yeah, one of them, that was the biggest squad, victory of the year for them. Your right. squad went on a little run at the end of the year. Then the squad. Right. Exa- yeah, exactly. Team, team COVID all the way. No, obviously I'm, I'm kidding there, but look, I I'm, I'm a bit more negative about this than you are. You're right. They they'll find another kick returner. That's true. I don't know if they'll find one as good. Giles Jackson was one of the few lone bright spots for this team last year, returning kicks mm-hmm. and the year before he was solid. Uh, and you're again. Yes, you're right. They'll find somebody. Somebody will be there in terms of the wide receivers. You're right that there's a lot of depth at that position. If this was an isolated incident, I'd say, all right, whatever. He's moving on. Wish him the best. And I do, but Taken with the Charbonnet transfer and, and some other guys who have, you know, McCaffrey, some of the other guys who have jumped, jumped ship over the last year, especially receivers. I think that word is out that if you play receiver at Michigan, you probably aren't going to get as many touches as you deserve. Nico Collins is a stud, a, a flat out stud. Who's going to be, be a, a what's that? He's going to be a second round pick, right? Who's going to be a really good NFL receiver. And he averaged less than three catches a game when he was at Michigan. And that wasn't his fault. The guy was a good route runner. He had great hands. He was speedy. The offensive play calling does not lend itself to getting the ball into their, their offensive playmakers hands. And I think that that is becoming a real issue. It clearly, as of this point, is not an issue with recruiting because, like you said, they still have Sandra still. They still have Cornelius Johnson. They still have the tight ends, Roman Wilson, Eric All. You know, take, take your pick. But I do think the deeper this goes and the, the less explosive the offense is, uh, you're going to see more receivers kind of be like, you know what, I would – I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change my mind. I'm going to go somewhere else where – Maybe I'll get the ball five times a game. Maybe they'll, they'll, they'll throw a bubble screen to me once in a blue moon. I, I think that that is an issue that is growing within this program because I, and Donathan Peoples-Jones is a prime example. Phenomenal talent. Was better in his rookie year with the Browns than he was in college. What Did he get more talented? I mean, maybe a little bit, but I think the talent was always there. It was how they're using these guys, and I think that is becoming an issue. Well, it's... <laughs> Obviously, apples and oranges. Alabama is Alabama. But how they find a way for, over the last two years, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, on the roster at the same time, everyone's still getting theirs. That That's real speed and space. Like, that's what speed and space is supposed to be. Because you watch that national championship game. You don't win the Heisman as a wide receiver unless the play calling lends itself to you getting the ball a lot of times. And that's what happened. How many quick passes did they throw to him? Devonte Smith throughout, throughout the season, a ton. And he was just faster and better than everybody else. I think Michigan has those athletes. I just don't think that they have found a way to effectively use them yet. And I think it's, it's hurt the program. Yeah. This is yeah. I, you know, when we're going to have, the unfortunate thing is we're going to have the same conversation a couple months from now. You know, I mean, it just, it's been the same conversation that we've been having 
and they they just well they better figure it out that's that you know that that's all we got that's all we know right now and hopefully the the infusion of the youth on the coaching staff is is going to help out with that uh, i mean i'm i'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm saying it's already sounding that way but what do we get every time this year and every time in august oh man that you know they're they're really looking good they're looking amazing and this this person is best shape of his life and let me let me you ask know, you this and, let me ask you this let's say come early august fall camp is underway and we get the mess we're starting to see the message board posts that say hey you know kate mcnamara is really really starting to take the reins there and Cornelius johnson roman wilson look out for those guys like they're playing really hard in practice is that going to move the needle for either of you guys because no. for me it's just um well here's the thing it doesn't do every it. every year i tell myself it's not and then every year it does yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I will, we'll see what long-term effect this past year had because I was pretty much, you know, like Chris, I mean, that was just agonizingly brutal, Yeah. but I mean, I do, I, I talk myself into it cause I get excited about the season. So, I, I, I think, know. yeah. And there, there will be that collection of people as there always is right. Who are going to find themselves excited about that again, though, it's the inverse of the, of the basketball team where I, I, I'm only going to believe it when I see it. At this point, I just, I am, I don't, okay. I say this now and you're right, Luke, I'm going to be the same way. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not getting attached. I'm not getting attached. I got, I, but though I do think that the divide is getting bigger there in terms of people who are yeah. always going to buy in versus the people who uh, are becoming more and more skeptical when you're coming up on 17 years without a big 10 championship, that's what happens. But I, I, I'm sure I will, I will try to, uh, do the, the, the mental gymnastics and convincing myself that Cade McNamara is the next Patrick Mahomes. But yeah, you know, it's, it's, I'm going into, I will go into this year with the baseline expectation that whether you go six and six, 10 and two, or win all of your games, I expect you to be prepared to play, to look like you want to be there and to compete. That's it. That's which all I expected. Them. Which were three things that, let's be honest here, didn't do a year it. ago, were lacking right. at points. I mean, even, and that's about as harsh a criticism as you can say, but there were moments last year where it honestly felt like even the effort was lacking. Like, they felt like there were some guys that were on the field that weren't, were not were indifferent about whether or not they were on there. Yeah. So, that, that's where we're at. Um, the basketball team's really good, though. The basketball team is great. The basketball team is fantastic. We got an Elite Eight game tomorrow, so that's what I'm going to go focus on right now. (laughs) Me too. As soon as we hit end on this, like I will have forgotten. I'll be a goldfish. I will have forgotten we even talked football. So one one hundred percent. I'm I'm all in on basketball. Chris, where can we find you on social media, man? Uh, you can find me back on Twitter at Castellani2014. I did a a little uh, rising that caretaker rise from the grave. If yes. Um, and my other show locked on tigers at locked on tigers on Twitter. I just did something today that I am immensely proud of. I interviewed one of my heroes, Jimmy O'Brien, John boy. We recorded an interview today and, uh, I'll be damned if it's maybe the best thing I've ever done straight up. I, I, he, he was very open about his YouTube success, the Astros cheating scandal, talking about a little bit about the tigers, some of his memories and favorite moments since he's blown up on YouTube a very, very surreal and humbling moment. And I'm going to be posting that tomorrow. And I'm going to post the full video 
on my personal YouTube page. The link to that is in my uh, bio on my personal Twitter at Castellani2014. So follow me on all those platforms and uh, follow Mason Brew as well. Go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, uh, write a review, subscribe to us. Let us know what you think because we're working our asses off to bring you the best product possible. Follow us on all those platforms. We'd appreciate it. Anthony, where can we find you, man? Well, I'll say this, and and these this these are things I've said to Chris, you privately, um, you know, because hey, shocking, we all kind of talk off platform here. It's, it's weird, like we're kind of friends and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> um, incredibly, like, first of all, glad that you're back with the rest of us, um, and you know, having fun on social media because that's what it should be, um, and also just like incredibly, incredibly proud of like being even associated of like some of the work you've done, because I remember when you were the screaming guy, the the yelling tigers guy. And, uh, you know, to, to, that's a pretty big interview for you. So that's awesome. I hope everyone checks it out. And, uh, like I said, I'm proud of you, proud of Luke, my, my two godsons here. I actually, I think Luke might actually be older than me, but whatever. Um, proud, proud to call both of you friends. Uh, we don't know if, uh, the next time we're here, we'll be talking about, I don't, a week from tonight, we could be doing a season wrap up or we could be doing um, some kind of national title game reaction. I, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for the three of us. So that's exciting. It's also kind of scary, but glad to once again be on the ride. And um, you know where to follow me on social media. You know where all the podcasts are. That's use my time for that. So to give all the love I can to my two co-hosts here. So you guys rock. Let's let's keep yeah. winning basketball games. Well, Thank appreciate you, man. that, man. And I, I echo Anthony's statement. It's good to have you back on Twitter, Chris, and let's let's have some fun with it. You know, we got baseball season here. It's going to be a great time. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter at Luke Gerdy, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Follow the Brewcast Show page, page Mesa Brew, on Twitter. We're going to have some fun this week, man. Uh, Twitter's a wild place during these games, so make sure if you're not following – you got to get on there. We're going to be having some fun with it. Uh, make sure to be looking out. Uh, Anthony's been tweeting out uh, when he's going on uh, locker room and things like that after the games as well. So that will sure be happening you... after the game. Yeah, so. for yes. sure. Those so, have been, so go, sure those have been going really be like, well. We'll probably be like 1 a.m., but I'll be up. So And you will be yeah. too. So we'll do so it. Make sure make sure you, uh, you're you definitely on Twitter so you don't miss the locker room. So, uh, yeah, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, big thanks to everyone here in the Twitch chat. Uh, big thanks, you know, as always, getting live in the Twitch chat, following along as as we record the show live. Sometimes it's a little bumpy, but we really appreciate you guys. And, uh, yeah, subscribe, rate, leave a review. You know the the deal. For my friends and partners, Anthony Broom, Chris Castellani, I'm Luke Yardy. We'll see you next week. I'm okay.